1: I am weak, but Thou art strong. Jesus keeps me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to Thee. Just a closer walk. is my plea daily walking close to Thee let it be dear Lord let it be number three when my feeble life is o'er time for me will be no more Guide me gently, safely o'er. To thy kingdom shore, to thy shore. Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee. it be, dear Lord, let it be. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Page 24. The Lord's our rock in Him we hide, a shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever he'll be tied, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is the rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is the rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Yes, he is. Oh, hallelujah. Number four. O rock divine, O refuge dear, a shelter in the time of storm, be thou our help forever near, a shelter in the time of storm. O Jesus is the rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. O Jesus is the rock in a weary land. A shelter in the time of storm. Oh, thank you, Father. We just thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. How much you take care of us and how much you love us, Father. We so thank you, Lord, for that. Be with us today and quiet our hearts, God, where there might be a storm, God. Quiet our minds, Father, and we thank you for it. Oh, God, our heart cries out to you, Lord, oh holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Come soon, Father. Take us out of here, God. But while we're here, we're going to praise you. We're going to tell about your wondrous love, Father. We love you so much. We praise you. We give you love today in this house and glory, Father. Thank you for who you are today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.
0: Well, if you have your Bibles today, we're going to go to Isaiah. And we'll be in chapters 36 through 39. And we're going to cover some ground here. We've been going through Isaiah. Of course, there's 66 books in his uh, prophecy there. And uh, as the prophet wrote, uh, he was prolific. And we're at the midpoint, actually, in his prophecies here uh, in Isaiah. And we're going to pick it up. We talked a few weeks ago about... Isaiah talking to uh, uh, basically the ten tribes of the north, the northern kingdom, and how judgment was imminent, and because of their condition and their, their flat-out rebellion to God that they would be taken, and they were. And now, uh, of course, he chastened Judah, the southern kingdom, Judah and Benjamin, which encompassed Jerusalem. that Their time would come. Don't rejoice over what was going on with their brothers because they were guilty of the same sin. And uh, they had a godly king over them in Judah at this time uh, of Isaiah's ministry. And his name was Hezekiah. Now often you hear me uh, kind of jokingly say, you know, we'll turn to the book of Hezekiah. And uh, we know there is no book of Hezekiah. But some of these scriptures we'll look at today, if there was a book of Hezekiah, it would be this. Because it tells his story. And we can learn a lot of things from Hezekiah. It's very applicable to believers today, to us. Uh, we, you know, human nature hasn't changed over time. We fall prey to the same maladies. And you can see it, the things going on here in Israel, and it relates to the world we live in today. Our society, our culture, our nation, our world uh, face the same difficulties because there's sin in the human race. You know, The antidote to that is who? Jesus, you know, it's Christ. Ultimately, He will come back and set up a kingdom that will have no end. Amen. But when we're going to look at uh, Hezekiah's life, the title of the message is, Go Ahead or Fall Back. You know, sometimes we think we can reach or attain a, a position of spiritual height in God, and when we think we've arrived, we uh, about ready to fall. Amen. There's no spiritual arrival. Maturity is an ongoing process. You know, the two most uh, difficult aspects of most jobs that we get involved in starting, number one, and finishing, number two. You know, the job of the Christian life is really no exception. Satan tries hard to keep men from coming to Christ in the first place, right? How, how, how does he blind the minds of the unbelieving? I mean, so easily it seems. He works with that sin nature that's inherent in all men. And and that seems to be the most difficult first step, just getting people saved. Amen. It took me quite a few years before I came to faith, but thank God he got through to me. Amen. Uh, and then he spends how much time attacking the believer to keep him from growing in Christ. How many problems do you have? It seems like one right after another, right? Unless you of rising above the rest of us in here. Come on. The Bible says Satan's like a roaring lion. Roaming around, seeking whom he may devour. And if the only way he can really devour or harm a believer is through us giving him access to our lives. We, we have the authority over him. Amen. Amen. But often we don't exercise that. Come on. Somebody say, oh me. He spares no effort trying to come against us when we're progressing, progressing in God, and we're winning. When you start winning, watch out. What's going to happen? Opposition is coming your way. But I mean, know all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose? Amen? You know, we look out and see the many man-made satellites that revolve around the earth pretty much on a permanent basis. But you know, there is a force up there that's pulling them down. How many know what we call that force? Gravity. Gravity. You know, there is a spiritual gravity that kind of goes around all of us, amen, that is at work trying to pull us down from the lofty heights that God wants to rise us up to. Have you recognized that? Do you see that? Come on. We look at the stock market graphs and how the market goes up and down. There's almost no days when prices don't move either way, one or the other. You know, in your spiritual life, it's like that. You're either going up or you're drifting down. I mean, it might not be like this. Come on now. Hopefully it's not. But you are up or down. Is that not true? What was that saying? Uh, What goes up must come come down. In no area of life is this more true than spiritual growth. God intends us in our spiritual development to be continuous as Christians. Now we're going to look at a man today, a king, who started off well, very well. He saw the power of God manifest in his life in a tangible way. Very um, Miraculous. And then he allowed spiritual pride and selfishness to bring him down. We turn to the book of Hezekiah and look at his story. It's kind of a bittersweet. Mostly bitter because of how it ended. You know, it's not how we start in the Christian faith, church, come on. It's how we finish. It's how we finish. And uh, God likes that slow and steady, not that meteoric rise. I've seen the meteoric, and it, it, it burns out like a shooting star often in people's lives. We, he wants slow and steady and an upward growth trajectory. Amen? We'll look at some things today. I want to look at uh, four points of emphasis in Isaiah. In chapter 36, we'll turn there and see a crisis and then God's deliverance. And uh, chapter 36, verse 1, and I encourage you in your... Devotional study. Excuse me, my pants are
1: falling
0: down. My pants are falling. I am losing some weight. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You. I mean, to come losing weight, you 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 uh, you you got to buy a new pants, and I haven't quite done that yet. So bear with me. Uh, I'm stepping on the heels of my past leg, and it's going. To, they're going to pull them down if I'm not careful. We don't want to do that, Lord. Please don't let that happen. He said, "If I'd be like a hey, glory, oh my God!" He said, Well, oh, we have to move the spirit here." He said, "No, oh, your trousers just fell down, son. Get them back up." Amen. Hezekiah. I'm sorry. Isaiah chapter thirty-six, verse one. In the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. So here we are. This is a historical moment. And chapters 36 through 39 are all one story. Okay, It's all one snapshot of history. Now, of course, it can be confusing because this will intersperse with the book of Kings and Chronicles and so forth, the same people and characters. It was all about this particular time in history. But this is all one particular we'll call it a story. That was a real historical event that happened. Okay, It's recorded for our benefit. How do you believe 2 Timothy 3.16? All scripture is given as inspiration from God and it's profitable. Amen. Amen? So we're going to learn something here. We're going to see a crisis develop in Israel. Now this was what we would call today an existential crisis. And it would go on to ultimately be that. And for the Ten tribes of the northern kingdom, it was. They're gone. Gone. It got this way because of sin. We remember that. So here, Sennacherib, this Assyrian king, moves down upon Judah. Israel's gone. Judah and Benjamin is the only one left. They got a godly king, Hezekiah. And they're in deep trouble now. Now, what did Isaiah warn Hezekiah a few messages ago? He said, don't lean on your alliance with Egypt. Because they're going to be like Reed. They're going to break. Okay, He told them not to, but they did anyway. Look at the geopolitical world we're in today for a moment. If you're a Christian I'm talking about, it, look at it. Do we have issues in our world that are dire politically, militarily, socially? Yeah. Economically? Probably now more than ever, if you think about it. We hear talk of North Korea, now some of it may be hype, some of it may not be. I mean, would you take a nation that says, you know, we're going to follow the United States, I think you need to take it serious, amen? Now, of course, who's in, who's sovereign? God is. You know, We're not going to sit around shaking in our boots. I mean, but these are real things. Now here, this man is a leader, Hezekiah. How would you, think about it for a minute, and say, I don't, I don't want to criticize somebody, but, but how would you like to be President Donald Trump right now? How would you like to have his responsibility on your shoulders, and everybody's hollering at you? Kent, you can't be the president. <laughs> Kent Davis, President of the United States, over. Oh, can't, you a fool, you're a dummy, you're stupid. Cut your head off and show around everybody. You know, Kent says, "No, I'm not." You're here. Ah, he's he's tweeting back. What's wrong? That ain't very presidential. Seems like to be that. Of course, those people that tweet that, they never tweeted nothing about the other guy. You know, <clears the> gay <throat> stuff and all that. They're they silent about that. They gonna tweet. You know, the guy who's doing the right thing. You know. And Hezekiah, man, you're God's man of the hour. And all of a sudden, you're invaded by a northern army. And they're wiping you out city by city. Now, I'm not going to read it today. I'm giving you the assignment to read that chapter when you go home. This is an amazing chapter. Several chapters here. Amazing. The king, Sennacherib, actually comes down with his armies and begins taunting and that's a big mistake there. They began to talk, say, we're gonna he used a pretty foul language, I won't repeat, you read it in your Bible. It tells them what they're gonna eat. Because he's gonna lay seeds to them and they're gonna to starve to death. And he began speaking in Hebrew to the men of Judah on the wall, fortified behind the wall, threatening them. And the king had told them, don't say don't answer don't say a word. And he's going out, he's saying stuff like, well, I'm taking out all these other gods and all you other Israelites because they had erected these poles and idols in opposition to God. That's why God let them be taken out. Because he wanted them to worship in Jerusalem, the true God, where the ark was. He said, where's your God, Jehovah? Where's he at? Is he going to stop me? No, I'll tell you right, he sent me down here to whoop up on you, basically. That's the West Virginia term for military take you We're going to move on you. So what's Hezekiah do? Come on now, in this crisis. What do you do in a crisis when you face a crisis? Probably one or two things. You either run and hide, get away from it, get as far away as you can, or you call out on God, help me, Lord. I am not that second. Oh, it's just, I ain't running. I'm too big for that anyway. I just say, help me, Lord. Please, please help me. Hezekiah did that. Hey, Amen. Uh, 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 it's time to get now. Shouldn't he have just been walking with God all along? How many people ask me all the time, preacher? Why, why do I not? If I'm a believer and all these things, I'm doing, I'm living for God and I'm serving God. Why am I going through all these problems? saved. You know, I'm going to God's love. I'm going to heaven. Why do I have to face all this difficulty and trouble and everything? Because God's working in you and on you. That's why. He's changing you. He's changing you. You see, He wants to use these circumstances. He'll be glorified in it, but He wants to change you in it. And you know what? If He does nothing or doesn't allow you to go into anything, you can't get changed. Pain? No. You want to change your body? Start doing sit-ups and push-ups. Hello? What's going to happen? You're going to change. Through pain. If you don't do that, what's going to happen? You're going to stay the same. Spiritual principle there. Come on. And that's what God said. He said, look, you you people so... I'm I'm paraphrasing badly now. Come on. You know I'm ill-billy. You people so stupid and so ignorant and you won't listen to me. I'm just going to let you get slapped. And while you're getting slapped, then you're going to be like, Oh, God! And then I'll answer you. And then you'll see how I operate, and I'll be glorified, and hopefully, hopefully, you will serve me. Isn't that really how God operates? How many times can you look back on your own life and see where God intervened when you were in a bad way? But when you were not in a bad way, were you out there praising God and getting a hold of them? No. No, we've been living for ourselves, man, doing our thing. And it was, oh, God, you know, God's really blessed me so I can go do all my stuff. He said, uh, he'll stop that and then get a hold of you and be like, all right, Lord, well, I'm going to serve you now. <laughs> Am I right? Come on. Come on now. They're being invaded now. It's serious, serious, but we got to do something now. We're being invaded Whose fault was the fact they were invaded? You know, there are all, all Christians who will be like, but well, God, why did God, God do this to me? God is letting it. Well, they don't look at the big picture, do they? Israel, Judah couldn't do that because God had already told them why they were going, this was going to happen. What's America's future? What's going to happen in the future? Do you know? I already know. I already know the answer. I've read the book. I already know. But I know this. God is in control. He is sovereign. He's sovereign. And He's more interested in who you are than where you live and what you have. Okay? hello. There was a crisis and they called upon the Lord and we see that uh, verse 30, chapter 37, verse 1, when King Hezekiah heard this, uh, that they were going to be attacked and taken over, he tore his clothes. He went to the temple of the Lord and then he sent out Eliakim, the palace administrator, Shepherd of the secretary, the leading priest, all wearing sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos. They hated Isaiah. Hello. Remember he was telling them all kinds of they didn't want to hear. But when the chips were down, who would they go find? Right. Isaiah, Isaiah, we need your help. Please talk to the Lord for us. What does Isaiah do? He talked to the Lord. Isaiah said, this is what the Lord says. I love that. Or King James, thus saith the Lord. Amen. Thus saith the Lord. Here's something about King James. I have a hard time with some of the words, and, and I, but, but, but you can't beat that. Thus saith the Lord. Do not be afraid of what you've heard. God is going to speak. Because why? They turned to Him in prayer. Do you know if we pray, God does what? He He'll answer. He'll hear you. Amen. Amen. Yes. His ears are open to the righteous. Come on now. And His eyes, is over them. And he, He's open to, attended to their cry. He said, listen, I'm going to put a spirit in Him so that when He hears certain reports He's talking about Sennacherib, He will return to His own country and there I will have Him cut down with the sword. Verse 9, he received a report. Sennacherib was camped outside of Judah with his armies, massed out there. The Lord sent a spirit to him, told him some things, and he turned around and booked out. Come on. Then when he got home, he went into the temple of his God to worship his God, and two of his sons came in and cut him up with a sword. And that was the end of Sennacherib, the man who threatened Judah. So what did they have? A crisis? National crisis? They did what? Turned to the Lord wholeheartedly. The leader did. And they were delivered. Amen? Somebody said that's a good thing. That's called going ahead in God. That's growing. Amen? That's moving forward. They did the right thing. My message is go ahead or fall back. Amen? you either moving forward or you're not. There's no standing still. Amen? So they were moving forward. Secondly, we see... The same time that this was going on, the king, Hezekiah, became deathly sick. I use that that adjective, deathly sick, because he was about ready to die. Okay, we look at um, chapter 38. Told you I'd be covering a lot of ground here. Verses 1. And in those days, that's when this crisis was going on, when... Sennacherib was camping around Israel. Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. Now the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says, put your house in order because you are going to die you will not recover. Now you don't mess with Isaiah. I mean, what Isaiah says, it comes to pass. I mean, it just, it's going to happen. You know, Isaiah prophesied more of Jesus, the Son, God the Son, than any other prophet in the Bible. Talking about his virgin birth, talking about his atoning death, talking about what he would say on the cross. I mean, he talked about Jesus. And it all happened, amen. Now here he's telling the king, put your house in order, you're going to die. You, know you, This is it, it's over. Now we don't know exactly how old the man was, but he was in his prime. He was probably in his fifties. Okay, he wasn't supposed to be dying, but but here he was sick and going to die. And even the word confirmed, and that's what he said: "You're going to die. You're not going to recover." Now, when God says something, how many knows it? Normally, it happens just as He says. But do you know there's a side to God? that you can touch, yes. that can change his mind. That can make him relent. By faith, amen, you can reach out to Him. He can do something. Even if He's declared something, He can change. He can hold it off. He can intervene. What kind of situation have you felt? Is it hopeless? Huh? You know God can still intervene in hopelessness? Hello? what he does here with Hezekiah. The man's sick. But I want you to see something. This is why it pertains to not just Isaiah's day, but our day, not just the people in the past, but people today. It's relevant. What moved the hand of God then and what moves his hand now? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Let's let's read on. Let's see Here's a man growing, moving forward in his faith. Have you believe he's just like us? Have I mean, he had to put his pants on one leg at a time. Oh, no. Get, he gets a bad report. You're going to die. God is confirming that even to him. You're going to die. This is what I love about God God is awesome. How do you believe he's awesome? God is an awesome He gets, he gets, he gets a bad rap. You know, you ever notice, even in insurance companies, man, if your house gets, a tree falls, that was an act of God. I mean, it's like, yes. Did God do that? I mean, come on, man. But when he intervenes, we very rarely. But look at this here. Verses 3 Hezekiah, when he got that news from the prophet, what does he do? He turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Whatever type of situation you or I get in as a believer, as a Christian, no matter what kind of news we get from the circumstances around us, even from our own bodies, our own minds, we need to be like Hezekiah here and turn our face to the Lord. Why? Why do we need to turn to the Lord? You know, isn't it a lot easier to just say, oh, 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 it's over. I'm gonna go down for the count. and nothing I can do. It's over. God said it's over. Everybody, the prophet said it's over, the people said it's over. The preacher said it's over. How we know it's not over till it's over. Hello? I mean, if I was Hezekiah, I'd like, man, I still got breath. I can talk to Jesus. I can talk to God. I mean, I'm not dead yet. I know I'm feeling bad. I've, I've made that old blue song, I'm going down. <laughs> that howling wolf, I'm going down. Singing bit to his mama. Telling her goodbye. I'm going down. No, no, it doesn't have to be that way. Turn to the Lord. Turned to the Lord, he turned his face to the wall and began to call upon the Lord. You know when I've gotten myself, uh, particularly as a young man, into some bad predicaments and difficult situations, man, I just turned to the Lord. I mean, I start calling out on His name. I, I mean, I mean business. Hello, get down to business, get for real, start talking to Him. God help me, Lord, I need Your help right now, and that's what Hezekiah was doing. He said, look, and he recounts his life. He said, I have walked before you faithfully in wholehearted devotion and have done what was good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. He was crying to God. We see his prayer. And look at the promise. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Now, how did God talk to men back then? Priests, prophets, and kings are the only ones that had the Holy Spirit. Now you and I are not like that today. So I say amen. God said, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. But back then, he and, and, and what did God do? He, he had Isaiah right there. Praise God to give him a word. To be Christians today, look around for the preacher to give him a word. I need to find the prophet to give me a word. You know you got the Holy Ghost in you, man. What's wrong with you? Get a relationship with. It. Grow up. Get a relationship with God. Hear from God on y'all. Come on, there. All these prophets out there. <laughs> I've never heard of one give me a bad word. You know what I'm saying? I ain't much of a prophet, is it? Oh, Lord, is done. He gonna, by God, oh, He going to bless you with finances and money and health and healing and wealth and prosperity. But stop committing adultery and get your life right. Come on. Now, when I hear that, I know I've heard from God. Come on now. Isaiah was playing no games. He said, you're gonna die, man. You're a fool acting crazy. What's wrong with you? You know the you know the outcome of Isaiah's life. Who knows the outcome of Isaiah's life? His ministry. Greatest prophet in the Bible was Isaiah. One of the greats. They hated him so much they cut him in half with a saw. So-called prophets we got today—we all love them because they tell us all kind of good things, you know. Yeah. Oh, the Lord, Lord you will hit the of next week, boy. If you put a seed offering in, man What did P.T. Barnum have to say? Come on, man. Oh my goodness! Lord have mercy! Have mercy! It's always an easy way around, things Come on. But the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. He said, go tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord says, the God of your father David, He says this, I have heard your prayer, seen your tears, I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. Think about that. Now, this is happening all simultaneously. 38th chapter we're in here is a recap of where we are up to this point. So, this was going, he was sick and ill before the Lord as this crisis was happening. How bad can it get? Have you heard that when it rains? Now, what we don't have a, a, a picture of is the spiritual world behind the scenes, behind a lot of this stuff. I'm sure it was. Some demonic activity going on all over the place. And these were God's covenant people. Yes, they had gotten astray. Yes, they had gotten away from God, just like we do. Come on. But He was using these circumstances to bring them back to faith in Him. To draw them away from the other nations. To make a distinction between Israel and the nations. Israel was being overcome because they had let their spiritual guard down. They had ceased to move forward with God and they had stagnated and now God was going to he was going to bring a remnant out of this So I say amen. amen and that's what he does today not everybody that darkens the door of a church and says I'm a Christian is a Christian and I'm not the judge you're not the judge amen I treat all people who say I'm a Christian as a Christian it's not my business to determine where they're spiritually but we know biblically not everybody who does because they're not yielding themselves to God come on man. We have to give our hearts to Him, and then we have to grow. He wants us to grow. Now up to this point, in this message, we're over the halfway mark, so to say, hey, man, he's getting there. Come on. Up to this point, it's a good story for Hezekiah. He looks like a good guy. Everything's cool. Right? He does the right thing. Under pressure. Now, how many people have we seen over the years of time, four, almost 40 years of Christians, start off well. Who gets saved and they're doing bad all of a sudden? Nobody. Man, you're glad you say glory to God, I'm saved. Hallelujah. I'm living for God. God is so good. When you get saved, everything's good. You can feel sorry for the devil. Poor fellow, I'm so sorry. You know, you know. That was a joke, come on man. You love everybody. You've been saved, you're born again, and going to heaven, hallelujah, I feel good. I, and what happens oh, that's time? If we don't tend to that walk with God, that relationship, we can get away from God, Amen. and we can even backslide. That's what we're talking about. Are we going forward or back? Come on. And this man, this man, seen things. Now, what was the sign that God would give? Well, I didn't read that. You know, go on little further. He said, "I'm going to cause the sun to go backward." And what? What's the sundial? You know, going to go back. He did a miracle. He said as a sign this is going to happen. Then he sent out an angel, one angel, who went up to the Assyrian army who was camped right in Israel and killed 180,000 troops overnight. And they woke up. Israel looked out and their, their enemies were dead. The Lord defended the land. Just like he told Isaiah. He said, I will defend this land. Now, sadly, and we'll see the ending as we're, getting, we're moving up toward it, another empire would arise in the very next generation the very, their sons and daughters and, and Judah would be taken. They didn't learn their lesson. They would be taken. Well, right up to this point, Hezekiah is doing well. How many of you have cried out to the Lord in your distress and seen God miraculously do something for you? I know I have. How many have you seen Him do supernatural things in response to your heart's desire and cry? But look, here's a man. This is the danger we need to avoid at all costs. He did not take care of the inward life. He didn't take care of the attitudes. They weren't adjusted correctly. In the New Testament, we say he didn't crucify the flesh. Okay? And it became his downfall. Downfall. That's what we're going to look at next. We see the promises. And we see here, well, before we get to that, we'll see. It it even gets better for him. We'll see Thanksgiving and praise, chapter 38, 9. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah. He says uh, he's going to give him 15 years. And uh, let's see here. Isaiah writes a letter, verse 10. He said, In the prime of my life must I go through the gates of death. It's kind of a poem, if you want to know the truth. Very eloquent uh, literature, really. Will I be robbed of the rest of my years? So even Hezekiah is saying, I'm not not old enough to die. He said, But yet I'm going to die. We don't know what he had. He's had some terrible sickness. And uh, I said, I will not see again the Lord. The Lord in the land of the living. No longer will I look on mankind or be with those who are now dwelling in this world. Like a shepherd's tent, my house has been pulled down from me, taken from me like a weaver. I have rolled up my life. And he has cut me off from the loom, Day and night, you make an end of me. So here he sees his life being taken from him. He sees his life ebbing away. And uh, he's sad. He's, he's not happy by that. And, uh, but see, God is trying to do a work in him. And ultimately, the work does not succeed. That's the point I'm trying to make. He, Why do we get into situations we're in? Why am I in such a bad way? And here, this is pretty bad. You're dying. Hello? I mean, it doesn't get much worse than this. And he's crying out, pouring his heart out. And he says, look at verse uh, 13 I waited patiently till dawn. But like a lion, he broke all of my bones day and night. You made an end of me. I cried like a swift or thrush. I moaned like a morning dove. My eyes grew weak as I looked to the heavens. And he's in bad shape. You know what that does when you're in that condition? If anything, it humbles you. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. It humbles. This was a proud man full of pride. And God allowed that to enter his life to do what? God resists the proud but giveth grace to the... He had to humble this man for him to receive God's grace. And he knows how to humble. Remember Nebuchadnezzar years later? Uh, made him lose his mind for seven years and eat grass like an oxen and grow feathers on his back like had fingernails like bird claws lost his mind until he would give God the glory in heaven and when he gave God the glory he said there's only one God under all the heavens because he called himself a God and God said you ain't no God you just an animal paraphrasing again and his mind came back to him said, God operates in Ways that we can't always understand. But here this man was in dire straits. He was crying out. It's over. But look at what he says here. Second half of that verse 4 there. I am troubled, O Lord. Come to my aid. Come to my aid. But what can I say? He has spoken to me, and he himself has done this. He's going by the word of Isaiah. He said, you're going to die. This is it. Look what he says. I will walk humbly all my years because of the anguish of my soul. He was no longer a proud man, was he? He was broken now. You know when God breaks you? Nobody likes getting broken. <laughs> then He can use you. Then He can operate in you. Then He can really reveal things to you. Then He can really elevate you when He's broken you. I mean, would just jump out on a wild horse and start riding that bad boy. I know I would. Come on, man. What do you do to the horse, Harry? What do you do to the horse before you ride it? You got to break him, baby. Some of y'all just need God needs to break you. Come on, let me just put the rocks down and hit me with it. Come on. He just, he just trying to break you. So he can make you. He can't make you like you are. You're too proud Mary. arrogant. Now the thing here about Isaiah uh, and Hezekiah is he, he unfortunately he didn't learn his lesson. But up to this point, all the right things are going on in this man's life. Now where are you at? Is all the right things going on in your life? Are you looking to the Lord to... Uh, Are you trusting in Him? Has He come through for you? Are you giving Him glory and praise? Come on. Let's see what He says here. I'm going to walk humbly. Lord, by such things men live and my spirit finds life in them too. You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit. Again, Paul, all things work together for good. For your benefit. If you've been called by Christ, come on. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. Man is a grateful man, and he's happy. For the grave cannot praise you; those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, they praise you as I am doing today. Fathers tell their children about your faithfulness. That's awesome. The Lord will save me, and will sing with strength. We will sing with strength. Instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. Isaiah told him to go ahead and prepare a poultice of figs, or black to the boil, and he will recover. He says, you know, what will be the sign that I will go up to the temple of the Lord? And that sign was the sun would stop. you got to go back and read the previous verses. But we have a thanksgiving and testimony. But what do we see here in the life of this man? He, Again, you're either moving forward you're fall back. This is a humble man now, right? Come on. I mean, do proud people talk like that? Write something like that? Well, we go on just a little bit in the story and we see something that it, it blows my mind. You know, I don't know about you, I've seen folks who lived for God. They were the most faithful people in the church. They served God, lived God. They gave their lives to the church and after 10 or 10 or nine or ten years, they're gone. You check up on them a few years later; they, they're not even living for God. Homes all falling apart and all messed up. Come on, marriages broken up. I mean, you like, what, what? 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 happened? You was doing so good. That's why. You know, this is a sobering word. It really is. We need to be careful with our relationship with God. We need to be careful. Because, you know, we're not above any of this like Hezekiah. We can look at Hezekiah and say, Well, that was just Hezekiah. He was just he was a, he was an idiot. You know, that's what happened to him. Can we really say things like that? He's a human being, just like you and I. We gotta be careful. I've seen those traits in my own life. Yeah, me too. Come on, man. I I'm not holier than anybody in here. Yeah, we're walking in the same we, we we in the same way. Come on. And I I want to be faithful with the Lord and serving Him and walking with Him. And we see uh, certainly some indiscretion. Look at chapter 39. And I want you to see something very powerful here. This is what really is disturbing about this particular story. Our actions, our actions as believers, Christians, affect others. Now a man who's the head of a nation, his actions affect, would affect millions. Millions. Today, I mean, we're talking multiple millions. We're talking global scale actions of what we do. And, and, and we don't know what the enemy, and everybody knows we have an enemy called Satan, who moves behind the scenes and constantly badgers and attacks God's people. And if we're not following God, if we follow God, we got the armor on, we, we were victorious. There's nothing Satan can do to hurt you. Nothing. But if we open the door, I mean, just crack it, well, he's coming all the way in. That's why the Scripture says, give no place to the devil. Amen. <clears throat> We don't know what happened, but look look at Hezekiah just after these events took place, chapter thirty-nine, verse one. And at that time, and so we know it's the same time frame. Okay, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of everybody, say it Babylon, sent Hezekiah letters and a gift, gift, because he had heard of his illness and his recovery. Hezekiah received the the envoys, this is from Babylon, gladly. Now look what he does here. He showed them what was in his storehouses. The silver, the gold, the spices, the fine oil, his entire armory, as weapons, ladies and gentlemen, and everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in all of his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. We got a problem with that, folks. Anybody see a problem there? Or, 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 no, there's no problem. That's okay. He was just being cool, right? Okay, right. That was very. In, that was an indiscretion, and that was. That was what Jay Dave just said. It right. That was pride. Pride goes before fall. Oh. Now, why is he doing this? Uh, remember the Gentile nations were pagans. They worshipped false gods. Babylon was worshipping Barodach and all of them. and uh, Niner and Ashtar. God defeated the Assyrians. Now see, here's what, what we need to see. Daniel, who we'll read on in a moment, was a part of Hezekiah's lineage. He was born in the palace. He was of royalty. Daniel, we remember the story, he was taken to Babylon captive and made a slave with hananiah Mishael, Azariah, better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were taken to Babylon. How did that happen? How did that get set up? We just read the story right here. We're reading it now. This is how that happened. One man's action, pride. What brought down that fallen cherub from heaven? He showed him everything. I showed him everything. All my money, all the silver, all the bling. Look at what I got here. You know, showed him his limos. I mean, his chariots. You know, showed him all of his uh, what everything he had. You know. Look at all my weapon systems here. The state-of-the-art. Uh, took him in and showed the drones and all that stuff. You know, all the computer systems, advanced uh, FAD missile systems. Everything, man. He showed everything to his enemy. Yeah. To his enemy. Bragging, right, right? Nobody can touch me or us. Because look what God did to Sennacherib. Took him out. 185,000 in one night. He ran like a a little girl. And his own kids cut him up and chopped him in pieces. Who was going to threaten God's people? He was full of pride. Now God had just took all that effort to humble this man and it seemed to work for about 10 minutes. (laughs) Or until he got done writing that letter. And now he's bragging. Now, Isaiah, now, you know, preachers, we like preaching good stuff. God is going to bless you. Hallelujah. God is going to prosper you. Glory to God. God is loves you. He's going to help you. He's going to do this for you and that. But when we got it, God said, go and tell these people, they need to straighten up. I'm going to slap somebody.
1: It's
0: like, oh, you want me to do that? That's what I called you for. I don't want to do that. Got to call in Isaiah. The Lord has to bring him in, doesn't He? Come on now. Verse 3. Then Isaiah the prophet (laughs) went to King Hezekiah. You think he was uh, looking forward to that? (laughs) And he asked him, what did those men say? And where did they come from, Hezekiah? Hezekiah, he must not have been a very bright man. Hold on. He said, Well, they came from a distant land. Uh, Hezekiah replied, They came to me from Babylon. The prophet asked, What did they see uh, <clears throat> in your palace, Hezekiah? They saw everything in my palace, Hezekiah said. There is nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. Think you made a mistake? What's Isaiah say, verse 5? Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord Almighty. Or, what's King James say? Thus saith the Lord, The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all the things your fathers have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord, and some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, Will be born, who were born unto you will be taken away and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Now that's a prophecy that was fulfilled just a little while later. And Daniel and the, his friends were among those of the king's house that were taken away and made eunuchs in Babylon as slaves. Think about that. His actions brought down his people. Now that's that's bad, right? That's real bad. We're like, man, why did you have to do that? Now you heard me, si- oh, I'm spitting now, come on. You know you're not, you know you're preaching when you spit. come on. When you're really preaching, you're spitting all the way to the second row. You know you're doing all right then. Hallelujah. We talk a lot about politics and about things going on in our society as Christians should do they should do that because it all intertwines that's all what we're reading here today is a religious political situation hello and it all fits together in the world we are you either on one side or the other now I have said some good things about Trump because I have seen some things that are good for him okay I criticized Obama I criticized Bush if you've been here long enough you know I don't spare anybody come on now but my trust is not in these men now I have said I've seen what Trump has done. We we had it this week. They overturned the court decision. Remember the bakers, the Christian bakers were not going to bake the cake for the gay people, so they put them out of business, basically fined them 100000 hundred some thousand dollars. They out of business. Well, thankfully Trump, when he got put in office, put in new Supreme Court just hello, and they overturned that ruling in favor of the Christian bakers. Can somebody say amen? amen? Now you didn't hear that on the news. Amen. Why didn't you hear that on the mainstream news? Because they're not telling you. It doesn't fit their globalist narrative. Hello. But here's what I'm trying to say. One thing that I am concerned about with President Trump. Listen to me. I'm trying to be fair. I've seen good fruit. That's a good thing. Would Obama have overturned that? No. no. Okay. He seems to have a lot of pride. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Huh? Yes. He seems to operate in a spirit of "I can do anything" because I'm 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 a this powerful. man. I would look for a humbling by God upon his life. Yeah. I just say God's going to destroy him. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Humbling, giving him a better perspective, like Hezekiah got. Now we, our prayer and hope. How many know the Bible says pray for those who are in authority why that it may be well with us you shouldn't talk about politics in church pastor I'm just obeying the word people okay and I don't take sides except God's side if something's unbiblical I'm going to say it if something's good I'm going to say it I've got a lot of praise for what the man's done that was a good speech if you listen to that speech never heard none of it on the mainstream media talking about God and we need God. So he's, he's on the right track. But be careful of pride. Not just with the leaders of America, but in our own lives. Don't think we've arrived spiritually at some place and we're some super spirit. I, I, your pastor don't think that way about himself. I do not. I am very humble before God. Amen. And I will stay that way. Thank you. God willing. Amen. But we see here something even worse as we close. This is my last reading here. You've been gracious today. I see selfishness involved here as well. This is the most damning indictment of what I'm about ready to read concerning Hezekiah. And we, we need to be careful in our own lives. Be very careful. Look at the sin of this man. And it's right here in the Word of God. It's laid bare for our 2 Timothy 3.16, for our instruction, and for our benefit. Look at what Isaiah's reply is to Isaiah. uh, uh, Hezekiah's reply to Isaiah is in chapter 8. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replied. He said, you're right. You're right. That was a good word. I got tricked. They got the best of me. I I gave away the secrets. And you know it's going to happen. They're going to come back. And they're going to take over the land. But look what he says here. For he thought. That's crazy right there. Think about this now. How many know the Bible, uh, Hebrews, was chapter 6 or 4? That the word of God is sharp and powerful as a discerner of the what? Thoughts and intents of the heart. Jesus would often in his ministry in the gospels, you know, he'd use that phrase. And he knew what they were thinking. Huh? Uh, Hezekiah thought. This is what he thought. There will be peace and security in my lifetime. In other words, what was he really saying? By saying that. I could care less what happens to my kids. As long as I'm alive, everything's going to be good. The judgment's not going to fall on me right now. It's going to fall on them. What kind of man is that? That's pretty selfish of a minute. Do you know if we're not careful? I'm closing. I promise. We can think. You a oh, Pastor Jerry, why don't you always talk about this political thing and that thing? Man, if we, you adults, me, we, us, don't make a change. Do not own what's going on. Do not stand against the darkness as light. We're damning our children and grandchildren. That's right, really It's our fault. I mean, do I want to turn the world over like this to my kids, my grandchildren? you got to be kidding me. Somebody's got to say, no, this has to stop. There's some nonsense that's going on. Come on, man. We need to get back to God. We need to go move ahead. Or we're gonna fall back. What's the attitude that was so damning on on Hezekiah's part? He didn't care, long as it was good for him, and he had his day, and everything was gonna be peaceful till he died. I'm all right with that. I won't see it. They'll have to deal with that. What kind of garbage is that? Hello. He started off so well with such promise. Look where he ends up. Look where he ends up.
1: You know, it's important
0: that those of us who start the Christian life continue in it. Can I I get a witness? You know, whatever our theology, we must admit that God wants His children to develop, to mature, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. There's no place for backsliding, compromise, or spiritual immaturity in God's purpose for His people. Pride, Confidence in oneself to the extent that we no longer feel our dependence upon God is often a prelude to disaster. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Many of us say, well, preacher, you're just a weak man. You got Christ, he's your crutch. You know what? You're right. I am a weak man. And he is my crutch. Matter of fact, He is my life. He is my sustainer. And I'm going to trust in Him, not in my ability, in Him. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, 18. We see that here in the life of Hezekiah. He brought down an entire nation. One leader who just wouldn't keep in step with the Lord. He started off good. It it, it moved forward good. And then all of a sudden, what got a hold of him to disobey God and and stop doing the right thing? I I don't know. Let's purpose, church, not to be that way, but to continue on with the Lord. Paul said what? That good work that Christ started in you, he will continue until the day of his coming. Amen. Amen. We need to keep ourselves in our mind on God, his holiness. We can avoid thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think and steer clear of the pitfalls into which pride is likely to lead us and destroy us. The best antidote to backsliding is spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. Keep on growing. Keep moving forward. Keep moving. Upward and onward. We can and should be encouraged by diligent attention to Bible study, to prayer, faithful witnessing, active Christian service, as often as the opportunity presents itself. When you're moving, you're not sinning. When you're living for God, you're obeying Him. You're doing good. It's when we get idle, that's the devil's, idle hands of the the devil's workshop. Let's stand this one.
1: Amen. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom?